Heat Seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. I, I'm using my phone for the zoom, so it's on you to uh, okay to do the okay. other thing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm on it, man. See, this is something that we should clear ahead of time. We never. <laughs> you do. would think. Have so it, then, haven't we done more than a hundred episodes? <laughs> no, no. I think and, we're at eighty-one or two, maybe. But it's a lot. It's so it's so <laughs> stupid because it's like it's almost like a bad bit that we do at the top of each episode. We're like, oh, we should do that. <laughs> But it seriously is just because we were talking about like a bunch of other bullshit a second ago and didn't think about it. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Here we go. Well, Dave, welcome back to another thrilling episode of Heat Seeking Panther. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Thrilling's the right word. (laughs) I I just I'm coming off hot from just watching that movie. Uh, I think thrilling was what it was going for. Three, two, one. There it was. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> All right. Looking Glass. Man, what a big come down after, uh, after hitting Mandy. It's funny because yeah. I, I felt like for a long time, like when we started, I was like, I know things are going to dip in the mid-2010s, in the mid-20-teens, but, uh, but we're going to hit mom and dad and Mandy and we're going to come into the Nick Cage renaissance. I just had that sort of idea in my head because w- that's when that was happening too. So I was like, right. I, the, the, I was like, the man's back. <laughs> but, yeah, we, we were all so psyched about it. Um, yeah. And, it, uh, and now that I'm looking at it, I actually think that there are more good ones coming up again. But I, Yeah, um, I think so. But I think it's going to be this kind of thing for a while where there's like a few good ones in a row and then there's a few really bad ones in a row. Shit ones, yeah. And vice versa, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is uh, at least better than like the last 10 years, which have just been really nothing at all pretty much. Right. Yeah, Just (laughs) it's it's getting more exciting. And honestly, it... I don't know how you felt about it, but in far... As far as like the like bad Nicolas Cage video on demand uh, movies go... I this is not the worst one. It's it's like no, it's definitely not. It it's boring. It's like that's its biggest <laughs> sin. Is it's it's like supposed to be an erotic thriller, and it's not erotic, and it's not okay. Thrilling. So you so you agree <laughs> it is an erotic thriller. This is something I wrote. I had a huge question mark in my notes next to it. Is this an erotic thriller? Well, About like halfway through the movie, I remember writing it. Y- I feel like I've been complaining about this with a lot of uh, the movies we've been watching lately, but this does the like classic bad movie thing of just trying to do too much. It's like it, it, it there's like three different ma- there's like three different stories here, and it should have yeah. just picked one. It, there's it was like, trying to be like it was trying to be too many micro genres at once, kind of exactly, and and like and it you know it fails at all of them. But before we talk about Looking Glass, um, there's something more exciting that uh, I want to touch on, which, you know, the last time we talked about Weston Cage, um, Nick Cage's older son, um, we were fascinated. We were a little worried. This was uh, back in summer, um, and we we didn't know what was going on with him. Uh, He was posting a lot of, like, um, a lot of content that um, was 
<clears throat> puzzling, <laughs> and, but exciting. <laughs> and uh, then, then he kind of went dark for a while. Um, and since then, it seems like he's doing great. He's, he's had, he has two, uh, little baby girls. Um, he, he, and Bonafide Savage, that's his wife's Instagram handle. I don't know her actual name actually, but, um, they're, they're chilling and, um, he's coming out with his second solo album, uh, which is called Ghosts of Hollywood, I believe. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to drop a, a clip right here and and just to like give a taste uh to my mind it recalls uh bands like hoobastank or um i don't know trapped or something like that but um but he said in the uh, instagram announcement that he's finally found his signature sound yeah he seems uh, so sure of it too the way that he said yeah yeah and he and he's playing every instrument that you hear so um good on him that must be nice. Yeah, right <laughs> up there with Prince and Todd Rundgren and uh, Robert Pollard in, in, and all the, the tra- all the other guys that recorded all, every <laughs> instrument on their records. In in the tradition of yeah. Prince. And, <laughs> um, but like I I don't I I'm genuinely excited for him and I'm excited like I I've actually listened to this clip probably like 10 times. Yeah, I've listened and, to it a couple um, times too. I yeah. I at, at, when I first saw the post I thought that the for some reason the record had already dropped, but then I but then I realized that that was just a preview for the upcoming yeah, it, album. No, no, no. He's it's um he posted that and then he he posted the same picture over again and it says, it says join the tribe. So so um if you like what you hear for real go follow at West Cage official and um get in on the ground floor. Join the fucking tribe. I'm there. Uh, we're there and um I'm excited for what Weston's doing. When Miles and I were first texting about this too, um, I, I was wondering what Cal L. Cage has been up to, who's uh, his younger son. And uh, there's not a lot of photos of him on the internet, but I think he's like, I, if not late teens, I think he maybe early, early twenties, probably late teens. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he he looks like a gamer. I don't want to like. You know, I'm judging just purely based on the way he's holding himself and the way he's dressing and how much 
he looks like he just wishes he was anywhere else but outside in, in the paparazzi photos that I, I saw of him. Um, so I, like I said to you, I, I like to think that he's in like some discord chat with like Baron Trump and they play Fortnite together or something. Um, I'll just with, with just the uh, kids of other really rich people, like rich and famous people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just like calling each other like, uh, slurs on the internet over over chat and just like <laughs> shooting each other. You said he it would be dope if he came out as a rapper, and I agree with that too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was just trying to think. Like he's he's going to be probably creative because yeah, um, because of, because of who his son or I'm sorry, because of who his dad is, and also because I mean, you know, it's something a lot of celebrity ch- children can kind of just you know indulge their like weird artistic stuff yeah um, i mean that's the funny th- the funny thing about weston is that like yeah he posted like photos of him in the studio and it looks like such a nice studio yeah. <laughs> like like i you know he, he he's not on garage band he's just like eventually kal-el will you know i think we'll find out that he's a some sort of like S- some sort of creative yeah musician yeah. artist of some kind um, yeah um i'm into it um i if i mean nick cage is obviously a weirdo weston's a weirdo um so i you know if kal wants to uh become like a, a public figure i'm excited to see who that is or if he wants to just like live in privacy without people like us talking about him like i support that even that sounds yeah. healthier but <laughs> yeah like, that's fine you know <laughs> but still like um yeah uh seems cool uh so yeah that's that's the fun stuff to talk about now let's talk about this stupid movie <laughs> uh did you know anything about looking glass going into it no, Dave, I didn't know anything about nah, this movie. Either. I had a I had a, a very very different idea of what this movie was before I realized what it was as I was yeah, watching it. Same. <laughs> I yeah, I feel like there was a couple there were a couple moments in it where I was supposed to have a moment of like realization of like, "Oh shit." But it was so slow and boring that it was more just like Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> you know, like there well, there was a couple there, there were so many climaxes, but they were all anticlimactic. You know what I mean? Like there there would be things where like the story would turn on like right. a weird it's not exactly a twist, but it's just like another weird complication. You know yeah, what I mean? But, yeah. Well, and it's like you, you, you say like, a, you know, when you think about a story turning, you think about like a narrative moving forward and then turning a different direction. But the narrative never really moved. It sort of just like stayed in place. It was like right. a Roomba just kind of like, <laughs> exactly. like pivoting around. So whenever when those twists happened, you're just like, OK, and like, where's this going? <laughs> what are we? What's the point? So I will say, though, when the movie opened and the first shot is pretty much Cage driving down an empty desert road. At first, I yeah. thought, like, oh, fuck, it's going to be like another Humanity Bureau situation. Where, I like, know. Where, I was where, like half the movie is just him on the road. In, in a, yeah, in front of a green screen. I did like those, like the like exploitation movie style, like credits and the like the driving footage. Like I could tell what. Uh, director Tim Hunter was going for and uh, I was into it 
for for the credit sequence. Definitely. And right off the bat, too, a lot of the location shots are actually really cool in this movie. Yeah. Like I think that I think that they did those well. Well, we should say that this is not Nick Cage working with a first time director, which it bears saying because he keeps doing that. And yeah, most right. of these most of these VOD movies that uh, we've been watching with him in it are with working with really green guys. And but Tim Hunter has a lot of uh, TV experience and most famously directed River's Edge with uh, Keanu Reeves and Crispin Glover way back in 1986. So he's been around. He knows how to direct something. I mean, Do you think Cage was hanging out on that set or like at least hanging out with those guys while they were making that movie? Because that, that would have been the I time mean, that he was with like friends with Crispin Glover. Yeah, right? he was he was hanging out with Crispin. I, I think he knows Keanu too. So like I'm sure he was in and around there. I mean, they that was shot in the Pacific Northwest, I think. So he, he probably wasn't actually around for the shooting of it. But I would imagine that he was like catching up with Crispin while they were doing that. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it's nice. You can feel it's it's like damning with faint praise. But like you this isn't this is made by somebody who can make a movie. Like, yeah. I mean, it's this this movie is not it it it, it fails at what it the the too many things that it's trying to do but it it at least fails like professionally <laughs> like it's like <laughs> <laughs> right right like uh like you said the locations are good the the lighting is like a lot but it's still well done for what it's doing like there's it's y- artful i think it's is artful a, is a good yeah. way to put it um it is maybe not o- tasteful but it's artful. sure maybe overdone but yeah. uh, but artfully so yeah, because he, he's trying to do sort of a, I guess, De Palma type thing or, so, you know. Yeah, that, uh, that's Ma- actually usually what I thought. Um, and then I was like, oh, it's Hitchcock. But then I was like, man, that is De Palma, though. So maybe it's maybe right. it's De Palma. <laughs> no, but it's like that th- that kind of internal dialogue is kind of the experience of watching the movie. You're like, oh, I see. He's kind of going for this other thing but not really yeah and a lot of it is actually a lot of this the story is uh um oh man what's what's the word i'm looking for uh a lot of the story is like related well uh through just visuals you know what i mean like there's just kind of like you you kind of start to understand things um Without dialogue yeah. or explanation, yeah. kind of, which is cool. <laughs> good, yeah, because the dialogue is, is not very good. No. Um, <laughs> In fact, but, this movie yeah. has a lot of what I love is is scenes of Cage acting with himself, like when it's just Cage in a scene by himself and there's no one else it's, in it. There's God, so much true. of that in there's this so movie. There's so much of that. And it's actually, like, some of it is really... Um, kind of entertaining to me because just his like his facial expressions and and they do a lot of cutaways like clearly they got a lot of b-roll because there's not most of it is cuts like you don't see him reacting in the same frame with like what he's watching hardly ever so it'll just cut away and then it'll be him in darkness with like a weird blue light across his face right and then he's making all these facial expressions as if he's watching this crazy thing but it's just a close-up of his face and then it cuts back to the hotel room and then you see what he's watching but then you're like what so 
I feel like they just filmed him. They're like, okay, Nick, now act surprised. Okay, no, now. They, they definitely did. I, I um, <laughs> read an interview with him um, where he was talking about, he was saying that he wanted to do like an, a very internal performance, which, you know, God bless him. Like the internal performances are not usually his best performances. <laughs> um, but uh, he he thought that the the sort of the, the less you knew about this character, the better. He said that he learned from um, Paul Schrader, that Paul Schrader told him that uh, a character who is kind of an enigma, who you have more questions about than answers, is a character that has a longer shelf life. This one, which... Is interesting. I mean, yeah, I, I'm like taxi Which driver. Which I agree with uh, in yeah, this instance because yeah. I think actually not knowing that much about this character is to actually kind of makes it better and definitely makes the performance better and probably makes <laughs> the whole viewing experience better, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. He said that on... So he did it a bunch of ways that he did, tried ones that are more uh, restrained, but then he did uh, some that he described as more lascivious and uh, he said there were some shots of him actually masturbating or, you know, not actually, but right, his right. character masturbating um, that Tim Hunter didn't use, to, probably to his credit. That's, uh, yeah, that's probably the, the better choice, but I, I would have. But you were still just, but you were assuming he was still. Yeah. Honest, right? I mean, like. Yeah, exactly. That, so I mean, I, I feel it's like. It's fine that I, he didn't I, drop I, the actual shots in. I think that it's better that it's just a given. You don't have to, like you know, see it. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, I, yeah, it wouldn't have like, I, I don't know if it would have helped to have it be more explicitly like pervy on his end, but I guess that would have been a choice that I, I would have <laughs> re- like that. It would have been at least a little more interesting if maybe yuckier, but let's, let's talk about the like actual story of uh so yeah because in my idea there's sort of like three stories here and i wish it had chosen one i mean it starts with uh nick cage and robin tunney former 90s it girl from uh the craft and empire records Mm -hmm. and a a little movie called vertical limit you may remember (laughs) um she she's his wife you might have heard of it (laughs) and uh they have experienced uh, a sort of a, a personal tragedy. They they lost their child uh, in a way that isn't really revealed until sort of later, um, and they're running, getting away from all of that to start over by buying a little uh, motel, roadside motel in rural Arizona. So they show up and uh, the former owner of the motel sort of just like left them a note and he's like, sorry, you got to go. Enjoy. Yeah, he seems to have like fled overnight in mysterious circumstances <laughs> when yeah. they get there. So I and I think that's where <clears throat> I mean, it's obviously like weird, but the the directorial choices start to be very like something is ominous. Something is weird way before I felt that like that was earned like because there's about like 15 minutes of nick cage just kind of (laughs) like waddling around the the (laughs) motel like hanging up pictures and like cleaning the pool fixing it up fixing the motel up basically room by room well well like ominous music is playing (laughs) and (laughs) 
But see, I kind of like that because it's all, it's like all style and no substance, you know, it's all yeah. atmosphere and nothing else. Yeah. Which, that was actually my favorite part of the movie to be yeah, honest was like when it would just, have long stretches of just like him doing something really banal that he does every day with like a yeah. sinister soundtrack playing underneath it. <laughs> I mean, I just like, I liked to imagine what it would be like to buy my own motel. I was like, Oh yeah, you got to change the filters yeah. on the AC units. And it's you also gotta- creepy as hell too. Yeah. I mean, I, I would assume if I was buying like a rural Arizona motel that some shit at some point went down there in its history, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the previous owner was like, yeah, have fun with that. Don't ask me any questions. Bye. Don't try to reach me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'd be like, um, okay, uh, something's seriously <laughs> wrong here. I think way before he did. But, but what he, what he discovers is inside the, uh, one of the utility closets, there's like a, secret passageway that uh gives him access to this two-way glass that's or one-way glass i guess that's uh put in all the rooms these are the mirrors in the rooms or the looking glasses if you will (laughs) where he then looks (laughs) oh i will from 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 behind them and uh can watch the people do what they do and so you're like oh okay so the former owner was like a perv and uh he just peaced out because of that and then we have cage doing that like because for whatever reason there's a bunch of like blonde babes who just show up to the (laughs) hotel by themselves (laughs) yeah so so i I mean my two thoughts on that is first of all like i i really am annoyed in movies and TV shows and everything. I'm annoyed when like a plot hinges on someone keeping a secret from someone else for no reason, no like real clear reason. Like right. I, I know that he and his wife had history and like that w- you can make a reason, but it's just like, it's like weak drama and it's just annoying. So that annoyed me, but I, I was also like, okay, well this is like, that's not a bad premise for the story. I mean, are you familiar with the like, um, the sort of like real world analog that I think this is pulling from. I didn't know that it, that there even was one. Yeah. There was like, in like 2016, there was a New Yorker article and, uh, I think a book later by this reporter named Gay Talese that I, uh, remember reading and they made a documentary about it called Voyeur. But, um, basically this, there was a hotel owner named, uh, Gerald, Gerald Foose who had, uh, like a, a motel like this and he didn't have like fake mirrors but he had a an sort of observation platform that ran uh, over the rooms and then he could like crawl around up in the crawl space and like look watch the people um from oh, above no oh yeah. my god <laughs> and so i mean there's like obviously like a, a pervy aspect to it but he also like kept notes like he he would just sort of like study people and it's a really fascinating story um, and if you, if that's a premise that is interesting to you, definitely read the thing or watch, I mean, the Netflix documentary is okay, but, um, but the New Yorker article is really good and the book is probably also really good. So I was like, oh, okay. So this is pulling from that and like, and then, but you know, we're like a third of the way through the movie. So I was like, I guess the concept is what would happen if you got, if you inherited the pervy hotel. <laughs> Right. Um, what do you, what do you do? Right. And, uh, yeah. So, and th- then what, what, what does he do? <laughs> do you want to take over? 
Uh, yeah, what does he do? Well, he starts watching people in these rooms, and there's, like, a various, you know, conveyor belt of, like, CD and just kind of... Uh, there's like some prostitution happening and there's like yeah. a, there's a sleazy truck driver that is like, uh, bringing home women all the time back to the motel. Yeah. But he always insists on this one room on the end. Right. Which I, I thought that there was going to be something more to it, but I guess it's just, he didn't, he wanted to be like discreet or something. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I but think I, so. I thought that maybe he was in on the like voyeurism thing or something. I I thought there was, but yeah. Um, and then there's also uh, a blonde woman who a, a dominatrix. Oh I right, guess. right, right. Uh, the the blonde woman gets killed. Right, like she's yeah. her her and the dominatrix are in the room one night, and then the dominatrix leaves, and then she gets killed by right. like a black masked figure. We don't see who it is. Oh man, dude, I'm like forgetting already like the order of when things happen. Hold on. Yeah, like that. Well, cuz then cuz then yeah. there's the whole thing with the sheriff too. Right. The the meanwhile the sheriff has been showing up that this is the this is Riley from Buffy the Vampire Slayer if you're a fan of that show. Um he plays a a cop who <clears throat> keeps dropping by and um asking questions. Um also not and, dressed like a coffee. It's like they told him to bring his own wardrobe to set. And he's like, oh, this is what a someone that I guess works as a sheriff would wear. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, so he's dropping by. Um, yeah, there's... So Cage watches the dominatrix and this uh, blonde woman uh, get it on in the most like Cinemax fashion. <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of like um everything with the this the sex worker and um everything involving her especially that scene felt very much like somebody who has never it was incredibly like stagey for one thing and it looked like you were watching someone's like uh someone performing on stage like literally <laughs> like well and that's kind of how it dance. felt too because you had the you had the proscenium created with the mirror because they had to always yeah. be facing the mirror so that right. you could be watching them and the lighting is so artificial like it's just it, it's incredibly just blue it's and uh this like neon blue which doesn't seem to be a, uh, it's not the kind of blue that like cheap movies use to sort of evoke like dark like but just it, it's i don't know it's just style but yeah. sort of like but the the effect is these two women who look pretty kind of bored like kind of like <laughs> r rubbing each other on the bed and um it just feels very forced yeah then meanwhile cage is on the other side of the looking glass his face like oh <laughs> He's like, <laughs> just making that face <laughs> and then he uh yeah he so he sees that and then he i think he he runs back to his bedroom and and gets it on with his wife um meanwhile uh yeah she gets hacked up by some masked man uh but it's confusing because like that this yeah because she gets killed in the motel but i guess i was expecting him to discover a crime scene 
but he doesn't. No, I know. She gets killed, but then they just kind of drop that character, right? Well, like until, until later on. But until it's like what happened, you know, that yeah, that girl died, but I guess no one knows that she was killed. They like yeah, what what happened to right. the evidence? I mean, we right. we know now that who the killer is at having watched the movie, so I guess you can make it make sense, but it's confusing. Um, cause the next thing we know, like Cage and his wife go on a date, uh, to some casino somewhere and, uh, they come back and someone threw this a dead scene. I, <laughs> this scene I love where he's dancing, like where they go to the club in the casino and Cage is dancing I, with his wife. Yeah. I, I like it's that great. too. I want, <laughs> honestly, I want to go out dancing with Cage in a casino. I, I, you know that that has happened many times well and he famously he loves, loves vegas. vegas yeah so of yeah. course he would be a blast at a dance he loves club vegas casino. he loves dancing he loves drinking yeah they come back and someone threw a dead pig in their pool <laughs> i'm sorry whip. i'm sorry i don't know why i'm laughing <laughs> it really is gruesome but it, it's it, so insane when <laughs> that's well, and here's just like another moment where it's like <laughs> that's like that's where the movie really escalates in a way yeah, that is it's <laughs> one of those turning points <laughs> this is where all the sort of like you know cages quote internal performance or whatever like they sort of let the movie down because so okay you find a dead pig in your pool shit also i didn't mention but he there's a liquor store across the street and when he went over there to like the one time the guy was like oh hey you're the new guy here hey just so you know if anyone ever messes with you like we'll kill him or something like just let <laughs> yeah. us know we're like we've got a, a roving mob of people to beat up people or something he's like okay thanks and so <laughs> so already there's kind of like the, there's like a weird like straw dogs like energy to like these men in the like auto shop and the liquor store across the street who just keep like mad dogging him wherever he's going. And like, can I be honest? I thought that was the direction it was going. It does yeah. toward, it does, I guess in the very last scene in the climax kind, kind of go of, there because like the wife's of. tied up and being terrorized by the guy. Right. But like, I thought like it was way sooner going to go in a straw dog's direction. I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I am ready for yeah. what this movie's about to do. And it luckily kind of doesn't, but it freaks you out in a similar way of the thing with like the, with the horror movies do, where you have to be really afraid of like the hillbilly locals. Yeah, yeah you know what yeah. I mean because it's like they don't take kindly to strangers in this town. I know it is not a friendly town. And this city slicker moves in and buys the motel. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite like stupid exchanges is when the like <laughs> the cop. Um, you know, so many Kate, stupid exchanges in this movie. Also, the dialogue is so stupid, it's but I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because <laughs> Cage was like, finally calls him out. He's like, you've been stopping by for coffee, but it's so hot outside. Like who <laughs> drinks coffee when it's hot? And then like in the next scene where the, the cop is like, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying about drinking hot things when it's hot outside. And uh, this must be something to your like city slicker wisdoms. Uh, I've been drinking some iced tea. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. you, you come here with your big ideas of drinking cold things when it's hot outside, hot things when it's cold outside. We like things in our town, hot. You know, it's just like, yeah, back off. What? <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, Cage discovers a dead pig in the pool <laughs> with <laughs> fishes it out with this stupid little net and it's got it's like gutted <laughs> and there's a 
graduation picture of like a high school kid with her name written on it. It's like Chrissy. And so this is the point where like, I don't know, you call the cop or, or you're just like, you're, if you're not guilty, like you better do something, something is up. And but what he decides to do is he just goes to the desert and burns the pig. Yeah. Which, you know, like, okay, so is he guilty? Is he shifty guy? Like, I guess it's raising that question or, you know, I, I don't know. But, but because it's just so like, much of the movie prior had been done in montage, I thought maybe I missed something and he really same. was guilty somehow or like connected same. to it somehow. Well, and yeah, I, I think it kind of wants you to think maybe he is. But again, that's one of those things where it's just like, what movie is this trying to be? Because like the besides being it could be a movie just about the perv hotel. Like there's plenty of there. And honestly, there's, when it was trying to do that, it was like, it was like already trying to do too much. Too so much. don't, you don't yeah. need to take on another layer. Cause then it also kind of gets this like twin peaks level kind yeah. of, because then it's, cause then it's basically about a story about this like high school girl that got murdered there. Right. Right. At the so, motel. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, you have peep show motel and you have the weird high school murder mystery that maybe Cage is the killer, maybe not. It's not letting us know because the cop is also like, well, the funny thing is that, that when that girl disappeared, she disappeared right after you came to visit the guy about buying the motel. And people said they saw your truck here. So it's like, it doesn't let, I, it wants you, the audience member, to be like, oh, maybe he did it. But there's, it's not giving you enough to give a shit, really. <laughs> <laughs> You're just sort yeah. of like, okay, I, so I, I, yeah, we, right. what are we doing? I don't, and, I don't. And the third movie that it's trying to be, which is the worst movie it's trying to be, is this like sort of kitchen sink family drama of him <laughs> and yeah, his dude. wife. So there's one scene where he like show, he comes in and she has like a, a pamphlet about adoption on the table and he just like flips out. He's like, He's like, I'm not ready to adopt. I still think about our dead child and like, how dare you? I don't, it's just like. And it, then it, it just she was on sucks. drugs with the daughter and then maybe her right. negligence caused the daughter to die. But then Cage wasn't at the house because he, he was, was having cheating. an affair with the neighbor. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because they introduced this whole backstory with the exception God. of the, with the exception of the vague flashback at the very beginning. They then, like, do, do, they then don't have... introduce this storyline until like probably two thirds of the way through the movie. So well, then there's another layer much. to everything. Yeah. You're doing too to much. There. You already have the perv hotel. You already have the murder <laughs> mystery. Why do we need this incredibly lurid story of, okay, Cage is cheating on his wife. And while he's doing that, she's pilled out. And their daughter falls out of the window like Eric Clapton's kid. <laughs> like, that's too much. And it's tasteless. And just like... <laughs> it so, really is awful. It really is. Like, it is. doesn't... Like, that base... That that doesn't give us anything, like, that important about the story that... The other stories it's trying to tell. And then whenever we get into that shit, I'm just like, oh, my God. But yeah, those are the three movies. Those end with a little bit of straw dogs shit that doesn't really go anywhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he he burns up the pig, and um, then uh, yeah, he finds out that that blonde girl got murdered, and he watches that 
dominatrix with another uh, woman, another young woman who just a, the, those scenes were so cringy, dude. It's so like, cringy. It's just it's, it's Cage watching this like lesbian uh, S and M situation but, but the, from behind it's the, the mirror. Most, like, vanilla i mean not only is it staged but it's just so fucking vanilla of like what some somebody who is like man what's the freakiest shit that i can imagine okay it's but just, really it's, 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 a gir- <laughs> it, it's a girl wait it's a girl but it, and it's another girl that's right two girls and one of them tells her to bend over and and lick her boots and when she says okay she says you didn't say okay mistress and then she does it with her tongue it's just like you're like wow that's fucked up shit (laughs) that's whoa who even came up with that who even wrote that whoa yo i've heard about stuff like that happening i guess that's what goes on in these hotels It's just like, and, and those, both of the like lesbian scenes like play out so long. They're well, so unsexy and stupid. It's just, it's so, it's Skinamax, but it's like kind of, yeah. wor- it's kind of worse almost. It's, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's somehow like more forced and less sexy. So that's going on. Meanwhile, people are, her- the, the, someone throws some red paint on, the, someone is harassing cage with the the pig and the paint which now at, having watched the movie i actually don't who do you think was doing that was that the townspeople <laughs> that's i i actually I don't think know so but i don't know and i actually can't i haven't was i didn't really cop? think about it it doesn't really matter but that's <laughs> no, the problem think, i don't think it does maybe it, it was another really story in line but they just had two too much so they had to cut one of the seven things that they, <laughs> that they were, were <laughs> yeah, trying right. to go for right yeah, I don't think it's relevant, really. So Cage does a little detective work, I guess, which is to just say that he, like, stalks the dominatrix and follows her to a bar and shows up. And he's like, hi, talk to me about the girl who disappeared, who you were with. And as far as, like, you don't know, more like just cliches of what it's like to, to interact with a sex worker, like, this shit is super embarrassing. It's just like... She's like, sit down, like, mama won't hurt you. And this is like grabs his dick for no reason. She's like, maybe I do know you. And uh, then the bouncer comes over. He's like, is this, is this guy bothering you? I don't, it's just like, it, it's bad stuff. Yeah, and, and that ends with Cage pulling a gun on the bouncer and uh, also getting a shiner to the eye. And around this point, like, I'm like, okay, so we're definitely supposed to be involved in the idea that he is you know, descending it down some hole. He's deteriorating in some way, but I wasn't really clear on who he was in the first place. And he also was maybe a killer. So I'm, I'm not really sure how to feel about this. Right. And then the movie tries to do that thing where it simulates like the main character going crazy or like losing it so that you don't really ever know, wait, is this like, am, am I supposed to be taking what's happening literally on screen right. for what's actually happening? Or is this supposed to be, you know, cage like kind of losing his grip on like normal on what's normal right (laughs) and it it doesn't help that the movie already felt super artificial with all the the stylistic choices and the like sort of like one set that they're in so like yeah in in like a better movie that might like active actually like make that hit but yeah it's just sort of confusing and uh (laughs) he comes then it comes back to the hotel 
there's like another day and the, the cop shows up and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm back. I, I drink iced tea now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm here just to follow you around uh, while you just go about your business, which like if a cop shows up and says that, like you don't have to say, okay, but also no, you won't be doing that officer. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, he, he leads to one of a, another really embarrassing scene where they're in uh, he, the cop like follows him into one of the hotel rooms while Cage is like, I don't know, mopping up or something. And he, he like looks at the mirror. The cop looks at the mirror. He's like, oh, shit. And you're like, oh, no, did he find out about the mirror? He's like, oh, no, there's a praying mantis on this mirror. It's like, <laughs> have you ever seen one of these things open its wings up? It looks like a demon. And you're like, okay, demon. And then he takes out the uh, the fucking holy Bible and squishes it on the mirror. And you're like, oh, shit, the Bible killed the demon. And, but it left like this big smudge on the mirror. It's just like this like hacky symbolism. He's like, oh, that was messier than it was supposed to be. Yeah, the symbolism is just so over the top. Yeah, it's we, just we, so we much. We just don't need that much of it. No, we, no. we don't need all of that. The, the, the themes are clear. <laughs> <laughs> like, you already have the perv motel. You don't need to, like, you know, the, be talking about, like, s s symbols for, like, sin and salvation and blah, 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 blah. The it's perv motel. The Perv Hotel, there's just a giant neon like road sign that just says the Perv Hotel, no vacancy. Yeah. Uh, naive people welcome. Um, <laughs> yeah, but also, and, and, and there was also this scene that Cage had with the trucker where he was just like, listen, as long as you pay for the room, I don't care what you do. And he also just seemed completely unfazed. Seemingly the only people that were staying at his motel were people that were like using it for weird probably even maybe illegal acts right. you know what i yes. mean and then there was just like no normal people staying at this yeah hotel. yeah it was like, only it was <laughs> only sleazy stuff going on i mean it was really just the trucker who seemed who was there literally every night fucking different uh, i assume sex workers and then the dominatrix and uh that was it and then a family, I guess, who we didn't see, who needed one of the rooms one night. <laughs> but, oh, and that girl who got killed. Uh, right. That's it. So the while well, the cop is there, he's like, you got to, you know, if you hear back from the old owner, like, I really need to see him. And uh, so Cage finally tracks him down. And um, so I, I've noticed. There's this, like, crazy Breaking Bad kind of scene where he yeah. just drives, <laughs> yeah, like, five miles out into the middle of nowhere in the desert to meet just with this guy. this guy on some, like, <laughs> some road out in the middle of nowhere. We've known, I'm, I'm going to say now, like, that this is actually, like, fully a trend. Like, the first time I noticed this was when we watched Stolen. But um, <laughs> there... It, since then, any time that Cage is doing a, a more like subdued performance in these cheaper ones, it seems like there has to be at least one other actor who is like just going balls to the wall, who's doing the like Cage thing. And in in this one, it's Bill Bolander who it plays the the owner. He's really in like one proper scene with Cage. But and what a scene! It what is. a scene! <laughs> he's he's like. 
he's like, I've been living in the mountains and you're trying to call me. And I, uh, oh, did, did you get the screen door fixed? I took three men and it was like brain surgery. And the, I don't know. He's just saying fucking nonsense. And, uh, and he just he basically just monologues he's like boo and then he just gets shot by a sniper <laughs> but also he gets shot before he even gives us any relevant information about yeah, no, the plot so cage meets up with this guy and you're, and, and you're thinking to yourself okay he finally tracks him down. Now we're going to get some answers to some of the, this crazy stuff that we right. can't he, connect. He's going to ask but, him about the perv hotel. He's going to ask him about the dead girl. He's going to do, but that guy is just like, <laughs> he just rambles and he drops like no relevant exposition at all. And then he gets shot by someone just, from a rock, like a, like a, a mile away. Like, a, <laughs> right. And I am assuming that, that, person who shot him is the cop because the next reveal is that the cop is the the bad guy the cop is is the guy but i don't know how he would have posted up shot that dude and then got back to the motel in time to sexually assault cage's wife which is the next scene that we get is uh cage you know she she is tied up on a bed in one of the rooms and he, he, the cop is waiting for Cage to come back. Uh, he tells her, he's like, I, I can't wait to, for you to watch me blow his head off. <laughs> kind of says it like that. But um, Cage is, you know, watching this from his secret uh, spot behind the looking glass. But any, anyway, I don't know how, I don't know who shot. Is it the same person who, is there like a gang of people like, who are throwing paint and killing pigs and shooting. Is it just the cop? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, once these pieces come together, they don't come together in a very satisfying way, but you're like, okay, the cop is bad. Yeah. And it le leads to this final denouement where Cage <laughs> jumps through <laughs> the mirror, so, sort of like that scene in Manhunter, but um, just but bad. <laughs> and he... <laughs> fights the cop he, he stabs him with a shard of the mirror it's a pretty brutal death yeah um, he gets him in the in like the head yeah right. <laughs> in the neck or the head with a shard of the mirror so then he kills him basically right and he then he kills saves a cop. his wife he kills a cop in the motel that he owns and then he's like come on honey let's get out of here and they get on the road and we see like everybody in town watching them leave <laughs> and no one stops them and then they're the just people gone. who are about to discover the dead cop and the end uh i i can't assume things are gonna go well for them from that point on i don't know what the movie wants us to we're just gonna think. have to wait for the sequel to find yeah. out i guess <laughs> through the looking glass yeah um and, and that's the whole stupid fucking movie quite stupid i'm sorry guys i'm sorry tim hunter and everyone that worked really hard on this it's it is just kind of kind of stupid <laughs> yeah i i was oh, I, having just watched it though i was able to rattle that plot off i'm kind of proud of myself because it really didn't feel cohesive watching it it's just three movies that aren't very good together into a movie that is worse right right 
and they're not they're not even three different storylines that are intertwined in a way. They're just stacked on top of each other. Yeah, just things things that are happening concurrently. Sometimes the soundtrack was good, and then sometimes it was really bad. But in the scenes where it was kind of good, it almost sounded there was almost a, a marauder kind of situation yeah. happening where it was like heavy disco beats, which I was yeah. like, okay. But then other scenes, it was like weird, like porn music almost. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially during the the porn uh, <laughs> scenes. That's where the the music was really. It, I, I feel like the music was best weirdly during the scenes where like yeah like cage is just like skimming the pool <laughs> and it's like boom dum ding dum ding ding dum 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 ding yeah maybe uh maybe uh paul schrader is the like closer analog than like de palma or something than like the in terms of what tim hunter was going for here i i, I don't know like because yeah, yeah it, it it's like, a it's like a de, it's like a de palma Schrader kind of lynchy sort of like yeah. soup. Right. Right. And it <laughs> the yeah, imagine those three <laughs> really good directors <laughs> making something that um none of them would ever make. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so what what else is there to say? Um I I think do you want to get into the little things? Yeah, I okay. do. Let's talk about Cage's look. Yeah, this is the first thing on my list right here. Honestly, Wonderful. just in terms of the look, I kind of dug the uh, glasses trimmed beard look. You know, like his beard was very clean cut and like defined. You we, know, we don't we don't see him with a beard very often. Yeah, and then the glasses were almost they were. They weren't like John Lennon glasses. They weren't tiny no, circles. They but were they like were, round though, and, yeah. and like uh, like uh, gold rimmed sort of glasses. Yeah, it's I, I it, it's not at all my favorite look for him. <laughs> the beard was a little weird. Like it, it it was trimmed a little too much. I think. Yeah, um, but I will say I do like that choice for this movie because it almost yes. lends it a strange Euro trash quality that really works for the <laughs> TV movie feel of it. Do you know what I mean? I Yeah, I do. I do. As far as the acting goes, I, I thought Robin Tunney did fine. Um, you know, she's an actress who... You know, he, Cage is always getting paired up with different actresses who um, some of them rise to what he's doing and some of them don't. And um, I mean, she was given more to do than a, a lot of women are in the, the movies that he's been in. And as much as I like hated all the family drama stuff or, or didn't, it's just like whatever. Like I thought she did a, a decent job with it. Yeah, and, she's um, a long, she's another in a long line of Cage's leading ladies that really, uh, really try to you know rise to the occasion even though the material often is uh probably a hurdle more than helping them yeah. get there <laughs> yeah no and she it, she said uh in, in an interview that i read with her that um he cages what what like her favorite actor she's ever worked with and that she's a huge nicholas cage fan like she was saying she was like he's maybe like the greatest uh, one of the greatest actors ever she said he's better than de niro she's yeah like, she, okay she, i saw an interview with her getting uh, uh i think getting interviewed for this movie and she said that 
she said that she was like yeah nick cage is like i was so excited because he's like the greatest actor <laughs> yeah she, she i mean she was like she was like adaptation like basically like de niro couldn't do that and i was like it's true <laughs> honestly honestly she's right <laughs> it's true and um so i like this is the first time that it, at least like explicitly like i feel like cage was working with like across from a super fan <laughs> like I, mm-hmm. she, she's like she was like listing off his 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 great performances and like um yeah like fuck yeah <laughs> so um i love that that happened for her and uh yeah and i hope that she's doing other cool stuff because um it you know she was good in those movies in the 90s and mm-hmm. uh you know, she's, she's still out here doing it. What else? I, I have just like a little bit of info on, I was trying to like, like I listened to this interview with Tim Hunter, basically like the producer approached him with the script and Cage already attached and Tim Hunter did it because he wanted to work with Cage. That's great. That's very cool. cool. I feel like we we've watched so many of these VOD things where, yeah, it's just some buddy who I, for whatever reason, I'm thinking of, uh, the frozen ground <laughs> that, um, with, um, God, what, what was the director's name? It was Scott, Scott Walker, not that Scott one. Walker, not that one. <laughs> yeah. Where it feels like almost incidental that they got cage. They're like, Oh shit, cool. We got uh, a, a movie star like cage. Now my great movie is going to like take off and everyone's going to see my vision when, and this felt more like somebody else had this sub producer <laughs> had this. Yeah. And Tim Hunter was like, okay, I can see myself making this movie with Nick. If Nicholas cage is in it. And, you know, it's a failure. Like, it's not a good movie, but, like... But he did, as a director, he did a workman-like job with it. Yeah, he did. And, um... And, yeah. I mean, workman-like in, like, the best sense. It's, the, like I said, this is a movie made by people who know what they're doing um, in terms of, the, like, nuts and bolts of, of making a movie. It, you know, this movie did not deserve to be in theaters. Like, this, this is, like, classic VOD shit. And um, I'm going to forget about it immediately. I'm going to forget that I watch this tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But. And so many of these movies recently have been that way that I was trying mm-hmm. to think back the other day, what even was inconceivable about? <laughs> oh, shit. Right? <laughs> Something with a baby. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that yeah. was the one that there yeah, was like was the, the hand that the rocked baby. the cradle. It was <laughs> right. That was with the like evil old nanny. Nikki Whalen ju- trying to steal the, trying to steal uh, uh, his daughter, right? <laughs> yeah, but I literally, I forgot we watched that. I know. I forgot that movie existed. I know, me too. But anyway, I'm saying this is going to be like one of those where it's just immediately like, eh, okay, yep. I, I guess I watched it. I don't remember it. it. Next time we're watching a movie called 211 mm-hmm. in which Cage plays a fucking cop again. <laughs> he so. plays either a cop or a dad or a or a cop dad in pretty much every movie recently right yo guess who's in it though who weston yeah (laughs) wait what's uh what's the role like does it look like it's a it's a big role he's he's built pretty high up cool so we'll we'll see but anyway yeah this is kind of like this is the territory we're in and um 
are going to be there for, uh, well, I don't know. Um, actually, actually, things might get kind of interesting coming up. We have the Teen Titans movie, which might be fun. We have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is good. Uh, Between Worlds, which looks pretty bizarre. And Color Out of Space. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I saw the uh, Spider-Verse when it was in theaters, and that movie was really me too. good. So. It fucking rules. I, yeah. I was almost like, that movie is almost like too good for us. to. Like, I was like, didn't everybody just see that? Like, what can we say? But we, I know, we got to do it. So I'm also low-key kind of nervous about it because I don't know what I can even say about it. That You know, it's yeah. The watch it. Marvel it's really, really good. It. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, I did notice this other thing. Remember the scene with the snake in the bathtub? Yes. So he picks it up and he carries it outside and it reminded me of Joe when he was when oh, he was like yeah. dancing with the snake kind of you know what I mean oh, the yeah. way it's the way like he that. like moved with it when he picked it up and like walked well, away with it let, let us not forget um what was that movie called uh Outcast right yes yeah <laughs> Outcast where uh he he had snakes as his like living jewelry, his like armbands, <laughs> with, which was his one stipulation for being in the movie. <laughs> with co-star Hayden Christensen, I believe Fuck. was that one, right? Yeah. This feels like you and I just have like some sort of like, it's like we have like some arcane knowledge that like other people don't possess that just like those movies exist and <laughs> that like there's well, no I'm, I'm telling you there is going to come a point in the near future where people don't retain information because you can just google anything to find the answer and so when the internet and the entire like infrastructure it all uh, collapses. collapses and then everyone has to go back to having like practical knowledge we will be I, I, yeah. we'll be like the we'll be like the guys in town that like carried on the oral tradition Dude, yeah. of like, of like I, Nicolas I, I see Cage's it. career. Dude, I see it. It's like, you know, the bombed out city um, that people are living in these like shanty towns made of like Amazon Prime boxes. And we're just like gathered around a, a fire and it's just you and I and we look like uh, fucking Nicolas Cage from Outcast. Like we're just like <laughs> fucking haggard and shit. But yeah, we're just telling people about the, the, the arc of his career and like being like, yeah, uh, he was once in a movie with a young man named Hayden Christensen, who you may remember from Star Wars. No, we'll, we'll tell you about Star Wars in a minute. Like that, that's a good one. But first I want to tell you <laughs> about Outcast. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the dying of the light. And the USS Indianapolis and the men of courage who manned her. But listen, the only reason we know that one is because of the, that's the way that we remember the original story of the actual uh, guys that fought the sharks is just yeah, because yeah. we know the movie. And so like, oh, it was yeah. based on a true story. <laughs> no, all the history books are gone. Right. Everything, the, the only people with any memory of any sort of recorded history is just you and I remembering Nicolas Cage's career. And that's the Rosetta Stone that everyone can use to then like <laughs> suss honestly, out you do what crazy, the 20th century was like. You could do a crazy six degrees of separation with, right. with so much of Nick Cage's career. That oh, we yeah. Could, you all, all the great directors. That way. All, <laughs> yeah. Um, any, anything about like cops i mean there's some world war ii with captain corelli's mandolin like we wind can... talkers <laughs> the, the, okay well first it starts with the crudes right All... <laughs> so, listen history begins with the crudes 
Then to the Middle Ages with Season of the Witch. <laughs> uh, and then there's just a bunch of stuff with cops. <laughs> uh, Wait, the uh, World Trade Center? Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll learn about 9-11. Um, <laughs> learn about Edward Snowden. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> Um, next time it's two eleven, and, um, I don't think we have a guest for that. I don't think we, we probably don't need one. Yeah, it's probably fine. Um, probably um, for the best. It's torturing our fucking friends. There is one, one more anecdote that I want to say before we go. Lay it um, on me. I was watching, uh, an interview with Robin Tunney and she said that Nick Cage every day on set had delivered to his trailer a roasted chicken for lunch. Like, that's what he ate for lunch every day of the shoot. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I wonder if that was, like, a character thing. I don't know. but the, like, she, a full chicken? Yeah, I guess. That, she just said a, a roasted chicken. I assume it's a full roasted chicken. Yeah. But then she also implied that this was a thing that he gets in his contracts a lot, oh. which I don't know where she got that information from him, or she just knew that because she's a Cage super fan. Yeah, just she's a fan. But then I was like, that's interesting. And that's the first time I've ever come across that that piece of information that he eats Damn. roasted chicken for lunch. Do you think she'd be on our podcast? I don't know, man. I feel like she might. Um, that actually reminds me. This is like my, th- this is like the kind of thing that is cool enough that I, I hate burying it at the end because this is what, the kind of info that I was interested in when we first got into this. In the interview that I read with him, they were like, do you, were you like cribbing from anybody else who, uh, like any other actors or performers, or did you listen to any music to get you pumped up? He said that like, no, not for this one. Like he was thinking about voyeurism in film. Like he was thinking about the the movie Peeping Tom and thinking about this character as, as someone who's like power hungry, which is like, that's That's, interesting. It it doesn't really come across, but it's cool. He said that Tim Hunter, yeah, the Tim Hunter is like a, a big film uh, buff and a film fan and that he would like, he had like a projector with like reels of film that he would like screen for stuff that he thought was cool for people on set. Like Cage was like, I don't listen to music when um, I'm getting ready to to perform um, because I think of my dialogue as like music, basically. Like he thinks of... The, his dialogue m- melodically and so he'll he'll practice the dialogue like it's it, and memorize it sort of melodically and that's why he he's like he he's he said that he'd find words that he liked and like stretch them out or try emphasizing different things just because he thought it made the speech more exciting and the, you know that's no surprise having watched you know 30 years worth of his work or whatever but it it was cool to hear him sort of like actually state that and and to think of that as the process of him almost like it's almost like him like practicing like doing like a a trumpet solo or something and and this is something i think in like the late 80s or early 90s i remember we were we were reading in an interview where he said that he feels like his acting style is like jazz well david lynch actually david lynch said that okay nick cage that's what it was then yeah the the most like the jazz musician of acting. And so, yeah, it it just, it got me on that. And that's, it's true. Like he, all of the, the weirdest sort of line deliveries that he gives 
there is just a weird musical quality to it because he will emphasize weird words. He'll like scream different words or like drag them out. And, and it's totally not how you would naturally say any of that stuff. Right. But it is affecting. And it, so I liked that window into his process and also just another sort of like mark of like the type of thing where I feel like people on the outside, people who are maybe casual fans are just like, what the fuck is he doing? And um, does basically being like, is he self-aware and it being like, yes, right. he is like right. he's, he actually is in complete control of his instrument and he's just making those choices because he's weird. But like <laughs> he is self-aware. He, he's just uh, aware that he wants to do it that way. And uh, that's why I love him. Why he's super cool. And that, that really is what it should be, too, because I do truly believe that a lot of people that are creative or gifted in one area are can also kind of approach it from, like, the perspective of uh, another art form, maybe, you know, and, and overlay certain, like, principles or rules onto something yeah. else. Yeah, like I that. think so. Because, I mean, from all, you know, by all accounts, Nick Cage just loves working. He's just like a workaholic, you know what I mean? So he yeah, probably just loves uh, doing this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he really fucking does love working. There's going to... I wonder if we're going to hit like a, a dead end with like, you know, if... Nah, I'm sure he's got plenty of VOD stuff coming out. He, yeah, I was thinking about this, but even if we do catch up, it's not going to be for a while, and then we can do it in real time. So it's it's okay. Know. You know, he's not going to stop working. No, he's hopefully. Although he stop. did say he was going to retire in three years, I don't believe that. I'm not holding him to I that. Don't I don't believe it. He, nah, he, he come on. He's got, how are you going to buy a dinosaur skull if you're retired? You gotta, I mean, he's at the second peak of his career i feel like at this point. i think so too yeah it's it's truly a late career comeback yeah i'm into it or mid-career hopefully honestly he's one of these guys that i he'll probably just keep working forever and yeah, eventually I, I, move into directing when he's not at when he doesn't want to act anymore hopefully he, that's he what should, i hope he should di- he should direct one at least one other movie yeah um yeah i i, I, I think a uh, bad example but sort of a Clint Eastwood situation, right? Where he just keeps putting <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff out, but then is just doing like what he wants to do. <laughs> well, the 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 way that he directed himself in uh, when he acted in um, the the one movie that he did direct, how what was that fucking called? Sunny, Sunny, where he played Acid Yellow. <laughs> the like oh, that was his, okay. I couldn't remember the character. Yeah. Name. Um, if that's any indication, then like, like I would love, I, I, it's not going to happen, but I would love to see him go on like a Crispin Glover path of just making just fucking bizarre art films for his own, for their own sake and, uh, and touring around with them or, uh, doing whatever. I wonder if he would do it if someone would fund it, if he would make, I don't know. He's, he's the kind of guy that isn't, I feel like into that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like he's really about the craft of acting and not so much about doing, um, that sort of stuff just for the sake of doing it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I think I think so too. I think he likes he likes being the actor who's not necessarily in charge. I think he really loves just showing up, learning his lines, doing his thing and then, you know, jetting off to 
whatever the fuck he does in wherever the next movie is shooting because he wanted yeah. a vacation in that area <laughs> yeah no probably it does seem that way like jetting off to the next film set all right should we leave it there um yeah let me see if i got anything else i feel like the roast chicken was the best anecdote i had <laughs> Uh, he wears boots on the bed twice, and that yeah, I noticed me out. that too. I don't, I don't know why. Upsetting. That's weird. I don't like that. I mean, um, he owns the motel, so he can do that. But also, don't <laughs> don't do that. You sleep in that bed. Take your shoes off before you get in the bed. You fucking freak. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like his jeans in the bed is pushing it, but with the boots, I'm like, but no, don't do it. <laughs> do you wear boots in the neighbor lady's bed when you fucking her? Come on. Uh. Um, and a uh, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes this movie had. <laughs> that's it. I, that's all I have to say about it. Uh, you know what? I would give it a 20%. I think it's worth at least a 20 to 25%. I'll give it then, that much. I mean, uh, maybe I have like uh, fucking like Stockholm Syndrome at this point, but we've just seen so many fucking pieces of shit movies uh with him in it that like i have to give a little bit of credit where i see just like some baseline professionalism (laughs) (laughs) while you're waiting for the next episode join the tribe join the tribe go go to hollywood it's coming out baby yeah you go ahead and like and subscribe to our channel uh that helps follow us on instagram at heat seeking panther email us heat seeking panther at gmail leave reviews i think that still helps uh yeah. people find us um and yeah and be be well and if you find yourself in possession of uh a pervy hotel where you can watch people um maybe just like at least tell your partner about it like don't keep don't keep an unnecessary secret like you don't need to go down a bad path with it like um just <laughs> don't oh and don't trust the cops no matter what yeah, don't ever. Uh, yeah. Dave, this is good. We should add a little HSP <laughs> advice lessons. column to the end yeah. of the episode. <laughs> based yeah, like that's the, a nice cap. Did we learn a, some sort of lesson <laughs> from the movie this week? Yeah, I, yeah, I think we did. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep that in mind for 211, where Cage plays one of the cops who I just told us not to trust. <laughs>